you're listening to Downworlder Dish, a Shadowhunter Chronicles podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 178, where we will be discussing chapter 8 of City of Lost Souls, A Fire Tests Gold. I'm Kristen. I'm Robin. And I'm Amanda. What, what? <laughs> what, what? What, what? <laughs> Turning it into an opera. Yes. <sighs> yep. Oh, As show, you do. Oh, okay, listen. Mm-hmm. You have a story to tell us about PetSmart. <gasps> oh my god, I love you oh. for eternity. I totally forgot. I'm so glad I put that in. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I'm so proud of myself. You know how when you're in situations in public and you leave the situation, it's like, you know, maybe a tense situation or something like that. And then you leave and you think of all the things that you could have said. Right. Definitely. Yes. Uh Absolutely. That doesn't even have to be a tense situation. I had a moment for me where apparently the me who comes up with all of the cool, good shit to say took over my body. Okay. Oh, so I'm at PetSmart and PetSmart is one of those places where It's always busy. They never have enough cashiers, right? Because you've got 20 people buying one thing each, right? Everyone's there for, you know, a couple of things. No one's buying. It's not Walmart. You know, you're not, you don't got a cart unless you've got a new animal. And then, you know, that's the one off. But for the most part, there's always a line. They had opened up a second register. It was moving very fast. I mean, it was a pretty long line. There was at least six people in front of me, and I was only standing there for, like, four minutes. Like, it wasn't, again, not that long. And there's this, like, 19-year-old kid in front of me, right? And I'm just, you know, again, we all have, like, one thing in our hands, right? No big deal. So this guy comes up behind me, and I didn't notice him get in line behind me, right? Like, because I'm not... Like, I I noticed him behind me. I just didn't know he was in line. Like, I wasn't really paying that much of attention. Because the line was, like, into the aisles, right? But we were just standing there waiting. And the guy in front of me was next. But he was just kind of waiting to see. Because both cashiers were going at the same time. And he was just waiting to see who was open first to go. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to stop me from being able to go when it's my turn. Uh Uh-huh. Right. It's like when you're at the self-checkout and you're waiting like exactly in front zipper zipper kind of situation. Right. You just this is why you don't queue up because you have no idea how long somebody's going to take. Yeah. So the guy behind me all of a sudden yells like and I'm not talking like. Between okay between the guy from where the guy behind me is and the guy in front of me, maybe six feet. Right. Maybe seven. A Jace length? Uh-huh. An Alec? Yeah. I, I would say a Magnus length between him and okay. the other guy, right? We have to be Americans and use any other form of measurement. Right. He was yeah. he wasn't but like he, he wasn't far away. But this guy yells really loud and he's like, Hey guy, pick a lane, why don't you? And I I like kind of I turn around and I'm shocked. Right. I'm like, I'm completely shocked that this man has said this out loud and like yelled. Right. And the kid in front of me, like kind of like jumps and like scurries off to like one of the lines. 
And I turn around and I like looked at him and then I went and then the other lady was open. So because they like basically got done at the same time. So then I walked up and I put my stuff down and he followed me, not the kid. Right. And so I, of course, I put my bag of food down and I turn around and I was like, you know, you don't have to be such an asshole about it. And right as I said about it, he had so he had like two like flats of uh, wet cat food in tins right on one arm and then he was holding something else right as soon as i said about it he lost his balance on his arm and two pallets of cad canned cat food went flying all over the ground and i didn't i was so impressed with myself oh my god i didn't flinch i didn't do it i just looked at him with like this superior look and i go karma's a bitch isn't it and i turned around (laughs) while this this man scrambled on the floor trying to grab these roll away cans of cat food Awesome. He finally, and it just took him forever. It did, and he and he held up the line. It did, and then so I'm like checking out and and stuff, and he and he like puts he like comes up and he puts his stuff. He's like, I knew that was gonna happen, and I like, oh god, Ooh. I was like really like you know because you know you're focusing, you're like I'm not gonna look at this guy, and I'm like gonna hold in the like the effervescent rage that's pumping through my system. And when he said that, I looked at him and I guess I said, well, maybe next time you you'll get a cart and not make it everybody else's problem. And then I left. Oh, I was so good. (laughs) (laughs) I was on. (sighs) I was like, dude, I don't know what the fuck. What happened? But I I was into it. Dude, (laughs) Ursula took over for you. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Did he try to say anything? No, he looked like he looked like he was well and and, and good chastised. He he looked like he didn't know what the fuck to say. And that was really You, you were uh-huh. rolling nice. off of Saturday night energy. I had something. I we were at a friend's it. house for Bunko. Oh god. And her husband was outside in the yard with a friend. Because all the moms were inside playing Bunko. They we were drinking, whatever. And we're walking out to the car. And Mind you, we're walking like, through a field, right? Because like the, we had, their house is either in the country. country. There's no lights. Right. Mm-hmm. And so her husband is at a fire pit, right? Which is like the only source of light. And he's sitting around with his buddy. And we're walking across and we've got like, you know, cell phone flashlight trying to find our way. I'm carrying like a big thing of like uh, a, like a, what is it called? Instacrit. Cart. Instacrate. Yes, I'm. I'm carrying a crate with like a tortilla mm-hmm. pot, a, a tamales, tamales pot, <laughs> and like mm-hmm. a jug of margaritas. Right. So I'm. I'm walking. We're trying to whatever. And this guy. What did he say? I can't remember what the word was. He's like, can you spell? And he said it was some an words, S word. Because we were talking. Something yeah, like we that. were talking and he like picked up a word from our conversation and he's like, can you even spell that? And listen, my reaction was there is a man telling me what to do. And I don't like that. Was this as you were coming or as, you as, as we were, were going? OK, great. So it, I it wasn't he, he just said he's like, can you spell whatever word it was? Yeah. He was like, can you spell Bob? I'm going to just pretend it's succession. And Kristen was like, 
I was like, know, yes. The, and then I walked away. Face. And I said, no, but I can spell passenger because he was wondering, like, <clears throat> are you too drunk to drive home? Right. Can you spell that word? Be safe driving from my house was more what it was because yes. we were drinking inside. So we get in the car right. and I'm like, okay. Robin, what the fuck was that? Right? Because I'm so offended that I'm, it, it's like a man telling me to smile. Right? Like it was a visceral reaction. I was like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? And she's and like, he's a very nice man. She's like, he was checking to see if you were able to drive. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, why didn't he just say that? Why be weird about it? Just, just ask, are you okay to drive home? Yes, I was the DD. I'm fine. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. You have a much farther drive, not just this. Right. I was like, I have yep. to drive all the way up to fucking BFE. From BFE. Uh, right. Yes. Yeah. From and to. Yes. To and fro, if you will. <laughs> from one yeah. side of the Metro popular <laughs> to the other side of Metro. <laughs> it's delicious. Oh, my kid keeps saying cute. But I, I, so I want you to be, know. come part of my vocabulary. Mm. What? I want you to know, Robin, that um, I felt really embarrassed about that since it happened. Um, but I also think it's very funny. And I think it should be a lesson to men everywhere to not ask stupid questions without context. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just me. Maybe the context was clear to and, everyone, which I think it was. Yeah, I, maybe. <laughs> I got it. The other lady got it. It was fun. But we also know him, and he's a very fun guy. He's a jokey, fun guy. Gotcha. So it, it, it was on brand. Gotcha. Well, uh-huh. they had already come in to tell me that my dome light was on because Robin left her door open. That I did. It's fine. The, the battery I did I did that at the dollar store the other day. I came out of the dollar store and the back door to my van was open. I just forgot to close it. <laughs> yeah. Everything was still there. It's crazy. Oh my gosh. Do you guys have any funny stories or from the week? No? I don't think so. All right. Well, what do you say we... Uh, my life is pretty boring. Cut the chit chat and kick things off with Robin's recap. Previously on... Downworld or dish. Clary is called to order a meeting of the impulsive teenagers, <laughs> counting one Simon Lewis in on attendance. She's there to lay out her for- foolhardy plan on how she can sneak out to go live with her possessed evil boyfriend in a pocket dimension to spy and make sure that no one tries to off him. And you guys, no big it's deal. the answer to why the Seely Queen told a bunch of shadow hunters what the super rare magic rings did back at the beginning of the book. The answer, my friends, is plot. Because Guess what? Our heroine actually ended up heisting during her B&E at the Institute, and she needs Simon to wear one so that way he can be her ham radio. I don't know if that's the right device, I'm but it so sounded into good. It. It, it, it absolutely has to be. I'm picturing <laughs> someone in a basement. Yes, exactly. Trying to find the right channel. They're tuning, yes. Yeah. Uh, there's discourse with the Biffles over Clary's plan, but Fairchild is going to Fairchild, and since she's going with or without his help, Simon obliges. Back to Jordan. He's getting another visitor in the night, this time in the form of Maya. She's super sussed out about Izzy being there in a t-shirt only, um, but plows through the awkwardness and comes to an understanding um, and is able to give them the messages that she received from Mag- Magnus about their tasks at hand in order to aid Jace. 
Jordan tells them that going to the Praetor isn't an easy task, but since Maya's willing to join him, he's game for trying. Izzy leaves on the ASAP to head over to Magnus's apartment, where she's greeted by Alec and briefed on leaving in the morning. Back with Simon, he arrives at his apartment to find a note from Izzy on his bed, asking him to come over to Magnus's because she's scared and she needs him like water, like breath, <laughs> like rain. I need you. I didn't. Um, the song play is playing in my head, but I don't know who sings it. Like it's trivia for you. Um, is it Leanne Rhymes? That sounds maybe right. I yeah. can't think of the song for some it's reason. It's called I Need You. <laughs> I need you. Yeah. I, I can't do it justice. I think it is Faith Leanne Hill. Rhymes. Okay. It's Faith, Faith Hill. Hill. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Oh, wait, Insert no. general 90s country It does singer. say Leanne Rhymes. Just okay. kidding. I wonder if she did a cover or something. Maybe Faith Hill wrote it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The way she describes the person in that song, that's what's happening here. Okay. Simon jets over there and finds Izzy sleeping in one of the spare rooms. She ends up waking up and they don't have a really big heart to heart because it's way too early for that. But they do connect in the nerdiest, cutest way. One more check in with Clary, who's waiting for her beau at the exact place her mom warned her about being Luke's. She's sitting on the steps waiting for what feels like forever when Jace finally starts walking up the path. He gives her a final warning that going with him is final and she won't be able to return to see her friends or family for a long time. And he's not going to tell her where they're going. This doesn't deter her and they make an exit. Of course not. Why would it deter her? All right. You guys, if you didn't get enough of my feminist rage in the chit chat, you're going to get it here. And I'm Mm. sorry. I must be in a mood lately. I think I'm just kind of fed up with men. Not all men, but most of them. (laughs) You're just fed up with the patriarchy. Yes. So we're headed into part two of this book with a strong start. We're going on a road trip. Maya hops into Jordan's truck, um, not before she puts her bag in the bed of the truck, though. And I know that that's not unheard of. Like, I've seen it in movies and stuff. But, like, my bag is between my feet at all times. Like, I'm assuming this is a backpack. If it's a duffel, then I then I understand. But I'm assuming this she is a backpack. She said she brought her backpack. Yeah. In the last chapter. Yeah, it was yeah. on her back. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. I'm like, mm, why is it in the... Because it's just going to slide around in the back of the truck. Well, listen, he's either got a crew crab so she could put it in the back or he's got a bench seat. Yeah. I, I've never seen a single cab bucket seat situation where she, there wouldn't be room for it in one way. Or or between her feet, like on the floorboard, mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Now, I yeah. suppose that it could be that she was expecting the cab of his truck to look like his old car from when they dated. You know, like when she was, what, 14 and he had a car. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. <laughs> Which looked suspiciously like my car in high school. Like fast food wrappers and coffee cups forming like a delightful trash panda footrest for my passengers. Um, But my cigarette butts were partially, (laughs) were in partially emptied water bottles because I'm not a heathen and didn't use a cigarette, the actual ashtray. Gross. (laughs) Right. How do you ever get that clean? Yeah. You know. So like. I just don't believe that a 16-ish, 17-ish year old is throwing coffee cups in his car I just don't I just don't maybe a Starbucks iced coffee or something but 
I know we talk a lot about all these kids drinking coffee, and I just don't believe it. I don't believe really? it. Really? I drank coffee every day, all day in high school. We had a coffee dispensing machine in high school. No no yeah. way. It was like one of those, like one of the old style ones that they had at like hospitals and stuff where it would like yeah. pop the cup down and yeah. We drank a lot of fucking Crazy. coffee. Well, we also had like the student store and we had like cappuccino and like it was like a barista. Yeah, we had that too. And I actually worked it, but most of it wasn't coffee oh. that people were ordering. I just it was like, like Italian sodas. I would think just a kid huh. Ooh, being able to soda. afford Starbucks every day. Oh, yeah. I'm imagining it's gas station coffee mm. is okay. my assumption. Or, like, fast food. It's probably McDonald's. Yeah. He's getting a coffee with it. But he's a child, so he's probably, like, orange juice. <laughs> orange juice, <please. laughs> I love that you have a problem with the coffee and not the cigarettes as the age issue. <laughs> You're like, that's not I mean, realistic. I told a lot of people that smoked cigarettes in high school, nobody that drank coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Oh, So uh, Maya took a little power nap while Jordan drove them out um, to the Prater Lupus HQ in Long Island, which is apparently a very long drive. And I, I understand that there's a ferry involved. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, because it's an island. Right. And it's long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jansen Beach is supposedly an island, too. And there's a bridge. Mm-hmm. There is a bridge, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. I have no I just, idea. That never clicked to me. I have no idea if there is a bridge to Long Island, but I do know that the Long Island Ferry is a thing. That people use to commute. Okay. Okay. So I really, I have no, I, I don't know. And I did not do the research. <laughs> I'm going to Google it. Do it. <clears throat> um, yeah. So just, anyway, she fell asleep when they were like in Manhattan and she wakes up like bumping down a deserted lane, dirt, like two lane dirt road um, with Jordan, which is funny because it reminds me of my first date with my husband. <laughs> What are you laughing about, Amanda? Did you find the answer? Oh, I mean, so I Googled, is there a bridge to Long Island? <laughs> and the first thing that comes up is Long Island Bridge. Oh, right. So. <laughs> Listen, we're West but Coasters. Apparently, there's actually, yeah, the main one is the Queensboro Bridge. Oh, okay. Which I have heard of. Anyway, sorry. Okay. Had to know. Okay, cool. So anyways, so she's in the middle of nowhere. She's in the sticks. And she wakes up and she's just like on a dirt road. There's nothing around. This reminds me of my first date with my husband. Because my first date with my husband, he took me to a house party in Longview. That was like literally in the woods. And I was like, and I remember thinking to myself as we're driving through these deserted roads in the middle of the forest. Sounds like murder. I was like, it's a really good thing that I know his sister. So he probably won't kill me. (laughs) Really Really, really what I thought. So when I when I read this, I was like, Maya, you need a better sense of self-preservation because she's not thinking yeah. at all how scary this scenario is. <laughs> she needs to watch some documentaries. Well, He's like, if I can't have you, no one can. 
Yeah. Sorry, Amanda. Right? Well, okay. No, it's it true. It gets creepy. And that is valid. It's a valid yeah. worry. Yep. Did you have something to say at Amanda? No, I just, it's okay. true. At least, like, Magnus and them sent them there, basically. Yeah. So, and Izzy heard them talking about going. But, yeah. If that's actually scary. where they are, though. Right. She was asleep. You don't know. Right? She doesn't know. She's just on a back road. Yeah. Oh, damn. So, since she's up anyway, he pulls off on the side of the road to show her his super secret brooding place overlooking the beach where he used to go to think when he was first training with the Praetor. It's all very sentimental and endearing. Bleh. Real quick sidebar. I feel like Amanda with Simon, like I'm utter- utterly turned off by everything Jordan does. Like I, I unjustifiably hate every action he takes from this point forward. <laughs> That yeah. is me too. Yeah. No, definitely. You guys, I don't know why I even <coughs> liked him to begin with. It's weird. It just, ugh, gross. So Maya is gobbling up all this vulnerability. Um, and she ends up apologizing for running away because of course she does. Because of course mm-hmm. her completely normal reaction to an overwhelming situation and her trauma response, she shouldn't have to apologize for that. But she does yes. because, you know, she's a woman and everything is always our fault. I haven't even seen the Barbie movie yet. And I know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm going to break down this scene because it really pisses me off. And maybe I'm overly sensitive, but like, guess what? <laughs> you guys are stuck with me. <laughs> Strap in. I'm the one that edits this podcast. <laughs> So first off, you're like, I could add it in later if I wanted to. Fuck yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> like, no one would ever know. <laughs> so first off, he half-assed, like, validates her feelings. Like, he acknowledges um, that her reaction, like, it, it was okay to an overwhelming situation, right? He's like, it's a lot for you to take in. I get it. I just, which is like, but. Right? In a sentence. Right? It just completely erases yes. everything you just said. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so Maya then, like, tries to, like, jump in. Right? She she kind of interrupts him before he can kind of go off on a tangent. And she tells him, I think we should take it slow. Work toward being friends. Right? So she expresses how she's feeling. Let's not forget that she is the wronged party in this relationship, in this situation, right? All of the power and control should be in her hands. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah. she expresses her wishes to, one, take it slow, and two, work towards a friendship, right? She's making it very clear what she is comfortable with in this moment. And so... By suggesting this, like, oh, I just said that. I just said that. She's what she's capable of offering. So Jordan, however, bulldozes over this, telling her he doesn't want to be friends and nothing else. Like, he just, I don't want to be friends. Like, doesn't elaborate at all. And when Maya asks for more, he shuts down. And he's like, we don't don't need to be dealing with this right now. You're the one that 
brought it up. You're the one that t- took me to your secret sad place. What are we doing mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like if I can't control the conversation, then I don't want to have the conversation. Exactly. If you're not going to give me the answer I want, yeah. then I'll remove, you know, the option. Yep. Uh, so, oh, where are we? Okay. So she, I literally went bleh, bleh, out loud yeah. when I was listening to this again. <laughs> so Maya tries again and he deflects until she asks if that means that they're enemies since they can't be friends. Right. And I know this scene is scattered with her like noticing his physical features and like how hot he is and how attracted she is to him. Um, but this guy like hurt her and completely changed the trajectory of her life. He was abusive, Mm -hmm. and no matter the reason, like, her words are clearly showing that she is not ready to consider more than friends with him right now, and frankly, he hasn't earned her trust back yet. Like, it's been two fucking minutes. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. So, Jordan then tells her that he loves her and hasn't even kissed anyone since they broke up. Motherfucker. So, even if it's true, which is clearly a manipulation tactic, right? To even say this. Just because something is the truth doesn't mean it can't be used nefariously, right? Like he's for yep. sure using this scenario to try and get her to like feel bad for him. Like mm-hmm. somehow his mm-hmm. choice not to move on after he did something horrible to her is her burden to bear and her problem to fix. I mean, I think he's trying to use it as proof that he never stopped caring for her and she's always been more important. Right. But it's... But again, he's making it giving her problem. Icky. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So here's the, where things really go off the rails for me. Maya asks about Isabel and Jordan downplays everything, telling her that Isabel just wanted to get drunk and talk about Simon, which sure is a partial truth. That's generally where they ended up. Right. But Uh he's leaving out details on purpose because he doesn't want to give her concern any justification. Right. So he's not giving her the full story, which is just subtle gaslighting. Right. Mm -hmm. He's making her think that she's being unreasonable to question this when she's not. Uh huh. So then he drops the bomb. Okay, I'm going to read this. I don't want to be friends, he said, because I still love you, Maya. You know I haven't so much as... Oh, wait, no. Wait, sorry. That was the wrong quote. Okay. (laughs) I've only ever loved you. Thinking about you got me through my training. The idea that I might be able to make it up to you someday, and I will in any way that I can, except for one. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. (laughs) She, he won't be her friend. So her response is, you won't be my friend. And he says, I won't be just your friend. I love you, Maya. I'm in love with you. I always have been. I always will be. Just being your friend would kill me. What in the actual fuck? How is that respect? How is that redemption? You don't get to set the parameters of your own forgiveness, you self-righteous twat. And the blatant manipulation. Like, this motherfucker is making his feelings her problem. Yes. Without... I just want to shout, go, 
go, go, go, Kristen, go, Kristen. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like hot. I need to take off my sweatshirt. Um, <laughs> so like, it's. Just, like, I was just like, those are your problems. He's going. I'm like, you fucking liar. You are such a liar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you lie? Why do you yeah. lie? When it's like, okay, we know how fast these books are. I think I, I have a, I'm pretty sure I have a timeline check-in in my section. Mm-hmm. It, you've been talking to her for like three days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, these, like, I don't remember this being as problematic as Twilight reading it as a teen. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the fucking problem. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. and this kind of stuff, I think... It was so much more blatant, the issues with Twilight. This is so much more insidious because this conversation, to me, at 18, I didn't have a problem with it. Uh Uh-huh. Obviously, I didn't either, and I was in my 30s when I read it the first time. And then... And I already had an opinion about Simon, so, like, how (laughs) did I not? You know what? Like, I liked this motherfucker. It's weird. (sighs) But, like, just... And then when it's you start the, digging into it, you're just like, oh, oh, this is that dirty, mm-hmm. rotten, nasty, like, ugh. Well, and Jordan has the attractive, like, I'm, yep, I'm a catch. I'm conventionally attractive. I'm charming. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that when you go hang out with your friends and your friend's telling you, yeah, my husband's abusive. He's controlling. He's doing this. Oh, he's such a great guy. I don't see how he could do that. She must be lying. That's Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. I agree. So Maya mulls it over and I'm not sure if this is an effort to change the subject or just to relieve some of the tension if she's like still wanting to continue with this conversation, but she comments on how beautiful the spot is. And Jordan tells her that he used to come here when he couldn't sleep. And her response is to ask if he can sleep now, which just shows her compassion for him, right? She's trying to show him that she does care about him, but he just walked right all over her boundaries. Like, Mm -hmm. the fuck? Mm -hmm. And so Jordan's response, instead of allowing the subject change, instead of acknowledging that maybe he pushed too hard... His response is like... For the second time in less than like two hours. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. His response is to ask her to just rip the bandaid off and tell him if she doesn't, quote, want to be anything but friends. Which is an interesting recap of the (laughs) ultimatum he just gave her. Like, he frames it in a way that not only makes her the bad guy if she doesn't... If she, like, says no, she doesn't want to be with him like that but also oversimplifies his demands. He's saying, oh, so just tell me if you don't want to be more. That's not what you asked. You said you could not be friends with her because you loved her and all you would accept is more. Uh-huh. Right. What are we doing and here? And if she didn't do what you asked, he would kill himself. It would kill him. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She would be hurting him. Uh-huh. Making, again, making his feelings her problem. What did he plan on doing in his entire... He was just going to be alone for his entire life? And that's kind of my point also is like, you just like, you waited all this time. You went through training and you can't be a little bit patient. You're that impatient right now? Really? This doesn't make any sense. This is, again, Mm -hmm. doesn't align with the character that he set up earlier in this book. 
or and exactly. the previous like you know what I mean he well, he was huh. supposed to be much more level headed and responsible you would Here's think the thing with it, you yes. would acknowledge that this is going to take time well and he's been pining for Maya mm-hmm. right but he hasn't actually lived any of his life he got turned yeah got taken by the Praetor. Basically, the Praetor gave him an ultimatum mm-hmm. about joining them to mm-hmm. kind of make up for what he did or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's been in training. It would be like if you were, you had gone to boot camp, basically. And right. you just got out of boot camp and were serving your first actual assignment in the army. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I waited yeah. for you where there were no other chicks around and nothing I could have done right. anyway. Right. I've been waiting for you. Like, no, you haven't even lived your life outside of your hole that you Fair grew enough. up in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you say that you put in the, oh, I've been pining for, I'm sure, like, all those guys in basic training are pining for the women back home until they go out right. and do something. Right. Sort of, you know what I mean? Like, you haven't actually lived any sort of life to have an opportunity. And the first opportunity you did have with somebody, which was Isabel, you went opposite. Yep. Mm-hmm. In the first interaction of it. So who, like, how are you even supposed to be responsible outside in the real world. Yeah. Yep. Oh, obviously it's just a comparison to like military training. Not that all people in the military are like that. It was just a, no, but it's it's true. It's not like, you know, even if, even if there were girls at Prater or whatever, it's not like he was really like, he had a, a regimen and he had training to do. And, you're right. Mm-hmm. He he wasn't out there like gallivanting and and nobly not shagging everybody. Like, come uh-huh. on. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Maya's a sucker for his games. Um, and they did have a great time before he turned and became abusive, and then turned her for revenge. Besides, he's like cute, looking all desperate and sad. So she kisses him, and after a makeout session, the pick. Uh, in the pickup, uh, they DTR. It's cute and bantery. Teehee. It's like all that emotional abuse never happened. Oh. No, I, I get it. Jordan was... He was charming at first. He seemed mm-hmm. yeah. like he was ready to pay his dues and had a... It was well on his way to his redemption arc. Uh-huh. And I'm like, mm. Yep. Sometimes a fuckboy is just a fuckboy. Yeah. I really think that that... Did he not listen to Brian McKnight? Does he not know? <laughs> One, you're like a dream come true. Two, I want to be with you. Girl, it's plain to see you're that you're the only, only one, one for me. me. Yep. God, the 90s really knew how to do it. Dude. Yeah. Seriously. So good. We lived through the best generation of music. Sorry, everyone. It's true. Because <laughs> we also got the old shit, you know? It's true. It's true. Oh, okay. Moving on. Surprise, surprise, everybody. Clary is asleep. <laughs> She's having her same frozen lake, lake dream, but with the light and the dark angels battling each other, and there's like blood and gross and blah unfortunately she wakes up (laughs) unfortunately Uh, for us yeah 
Um, okay. Well, also, unfortunately for her, because they hadn't taken their shirts off yet, which I'm, I'm assuming was bound to happen. Okay, okay, okay. She's in an unfamiliar room. Ew, actually, one of them is her brother. Gross. Um, uh-huh. I was going to say, I was going to interrupt you and say that. And I was like, eh, I keep I'll just forgetting. Let it it's, this is, let's get weird. <laughs> I, keep, I keep forgetting it, it matters in these books because she really, for a while, the first three, she really didn't care. Um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, where are we? Okay. So she's in an unfamiliar room, and when she checks her bag, like, half her shit's gone, including her stele and her art supplies, which I'm assuming is because they could be used as a weapon, like, colored pencils. Like, she's like, I'm about to kill you with a prismacolor, like, to the eye. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering. I guess that makes sense. This shit is sharp. Um, so she tries to contact Simon with her ring, but there's no answer, and she's like, oh, maybe he's asleep. I have no idea how long I've been, like, passed out. And her room is equipped with, like, an ensuite, which she takes advantage of uh, to shower before continuing her exploration. Um, which I don't know about you, but I would not be getting into a shower where I am very vulnerable um, before I checked the rest of the house and saw, like, what was up. Yeah. Agreed. No thanks. Um so, leaving the comforts of her nondescript room, Clary ventures into the bachelor pad of all bachelor pads. Like, it's got no color. Everything's black and white. There's no knickknacks. The leather is, the furniture is black leather. Um, and there's, like, a giant TV. So, she's like, wow, a, a boy lives here. <laughs> it's like the black, white, and red theme mm-hmm. is what I'm imagining. Yeah, of the early 2000s that every guy, yeah. Yeah. Um... Not just guys, Kristen. Okay? Oh, that's true. Don't be rude. That's true. No, but like the, you know, the okay, quintessential. We're get there. You might talk about You know it. the quintessential bachelor pad of like the leather couch, nothing on the fucking walls. Okay. Like, yeah. Giant TV. Mm-hmm. That's all he spends his money on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So when she doesn't find anyone in the living room, um, she heads to the second floor where she encounters the main bedroom and she enters the bedroom and crosses to the window. And I'm like, okay, you're just going to walk into what you're assuming is the main bedroom. You don't know whose bedroom. Why are you walking into people's bedroom? Uh I get it. I guess she's got to be super sneaky spy lady, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. But anyway, she wants to go to the she wants to go to the window. So she goes to the window to look out and she sees that they're in a city. It's not Alicante. It's some like European destination city because there's like tourists and stuff. And she assumes she's like possibly Amsterdam. Like, I'm not sure. Um, but upon further inspection of the room, she finds a closet stocked with women's clothes. And she's like, the fuck? Um, but with dawning horror, she realizes that the clothes are in her size and all the colors and cuts would suit her. Very creepy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially considering this is in the main bedroom. And she's like, oh, yeah. And like, um, I don't think Jace has the main bedroom. It's Ew. all creepy. It's creepy. Right. There are implications here that need resolution. Um, so she throws on a blouse from the closet, which of course fits and suits her perfectly and like snaps off the tag, taking full advantage of the new wardrobe. She's like, I don't know. I want to know. I don't want to know how much it costs. 
like regardless of the source she's like i'm gonna i'm gonna take it because it's cute and it fits me and it looks good on me but (laughs) Uh i'm not condoning this Right. And Clary wanders into the next room, which is Jace's. Um, and she finds a snapshot of the two of them on display. And he's, like, smiling. And she hasn't seen him smile in so long. She didn't know he was smiling when the picture was taken. She's like, oh. Um, it sends her straight into her feels. And so she berates herself for the momentary slip into nostalgic melancholy. And tries to focus on her mission. She's there to save Jace, not moon over dreamy pictures. And she takes in, as she's, like, taking in his room, he's got, like, you know, it's a boy room. So there's clothes, which is funny, because Jace is supposed to be, like, very, like, tidy from what we've described. But there's, like, clothes and stuff all over. So I don't know if we forgot or if Jace is just actually acting differently. Huh? No, she went to two rooms. You're mistaken, ma'am. She went to yeah. two rooms. So she was in Jace's rooms. Then she left and went to a different <gasps> oh, room. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So the second. Okay. I'm sorry. The second room. The second room, room is cluttered. Is cluttered yes. with boy clothes, which is Sebastian's room. Right. Okay. 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 Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Uh-huh. Cool. 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 So she sees. <laughs> she sees on the bedside table is a sil- like something silver. And she's like, what the fuck is that? And that's where I end. Oh, something shiny. Yeah. Squirrel. Shiny. Yeah so shiny yeah so that shiny little thing is um it's this the small box with the initials jc that jocelyn used to cry over like it's her annual cry if you will Mm -hmm. we all need something like that but i prefer to do it like monthly Mm -hmm. you know yes that's that's just me (laughs) same okay so i have to read this part quote bits and pieces of either I feel like I might have typoed there. A sort of collage of the child her mother had wanted to have, had dreamed of having, before Valentine had done what he had and turned his own son into a monster. I honestly can't even imagine being Jocelyn and living through the traumatic experience that he, Valentine, had put her through oh, with yeah. with their children. For sure. Yeah. In general. Like, I just no wonder she's kind of a dumb mom like mm-hmm. she's traumatized mm-hmm. and just literally doing her best uh-huh. for sure <laughs> I mean yeah, we, we give her lots of shit but there is lots of trauma there yeah. obviously oh yeah we're just absolutely I feel like our which this is a blanket statement whatever mm-hmm. our generation of parents are a lot of them at least maybe it's the people I keep in my friends group mm-hmm. close to me mm-hmm. talk to because other people I don't care about but it's like we're trying to like realize the trauma see the trauma and trying to actively break the cycle make it better yeah break the cycle yep you know which and her she's definitely not in that moment for sure yes yeah yeah yes and being a parent of a child wait a child of a parent Mm -hmm. like there's always a little grace with that you're like okay Mm -hmm. you didn't do the work your parents didn't do the work i Mm -hmm. see some of the things that you could have done could have been because of this mm-hmm. and I'm trying to do it, but that doesn't mean that you tried to do it. And right. so it's like, you're kind of a little resentful about it, but you have to like have some grace at the same time. It's hard. It's it is so hard. Very hard. Uh-huh. I mean, I have two different rounds of children, obviously <laughs> two of my kids are adults and two of them are toddlers. So I, and there's even a difference between the way I parent them 
to my younger kids just because I've changed, uh-huh. you know, I've learned more as a parent and Unfortunately for Drew and Cassie, (laughs) I've gotten a little better. But that's, isn't that always funny? Like people always joke about how like uh, their, their kids, like their relationships with their grandparents. And, and you just want to look at your kid and be like, that's not who I grew up with. I don't know who the fuck this guy is, but it's not, Uh you know, (laughs) like, mm -mm. yeah, I I think the same happens uh, sometimes with uh, age gap siblings and stuff. Just the, you know. I mean, it happens in in your typical nuclear family, too, where, you know, by the time the third kid rolls around, they're just, they, there are no rules. It's lawlessness, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're no longer man, man on man. You're like, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. The oldest always gets the harshest you're rules. And, and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to learn the hard way for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, Clary quickly decides to get the fuck out of that room. She realizes, like, this is his room. I, I need to get out of here. This is this is bananas. Why does he have that? <laughs> and as she's exiting, um, she runs directly into Sebastian. And he's asking her, like, what are you doing in my room? <laughs> but, like, I feel like it's an almost sexual, creepy, sure. icky. Like, I didn't, I did not like it at all. It was, mm-hmm. it was gross. Mm-hmm. So lucky for us, we get to jump over to Izzy and get out of that Whew. ick for a minute because. Ugh. So she's like our very own Kristen, an early riser. Hell yeah. Apparently it's like a shadow hunter. Morning thing. person all the time. Um, <laughs> so she's in bed next to Simon thinking about how not cool he is, nor is he good looking. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> And um, Simon is clearly awake. He can sense that she's looking at him. So he tells her, without even opening his eyes, to quit staring at him. And she's like, yeah, fair. Okay. So but she he heads says, to the shower. Stop looking at me, swan. Exactly. And so she, on the way there, of course, shadow hunters are early risers. So she runs into Alec. And they have a little sibling argument about Sandalwood. Seems, seems legit. When she comes out of the shower, Alec, Magnus, and Jocelyn are waiting for her with coffee and donuts, and she decides not to have a donut. Whatever, Girl, bro. I you don't need whatever. to punish yourself. Right? Stop. Right? Let's, let's. Mm-hmm. You know, after all that tequila, you need it. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Okay. Given the situation, if I was hungover, I wouldn't want sugar either. That would upset my tummy. That's I would want grease. <sighs> Tell make this yeah, to that's like what get I was you thinking. some biscuits and gravy. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. They're it's in just New the York. Acid from the coffee on top of it. I They're in New York. She mm-hmm. just needs to walk down to a bodega and get like a bacon, egg, and cheese. Like you right. need something greasy uh, to yes. soak up all that With goodness. Sausage. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Totes. Um, so while they're sitting there enjoying their coffee, which just sounds so cute, I just love mornings like that, you know, when you don't have to get up and get ready right away and you're just hanging. It's funny. Uh, Okay. This is a quick little sidebar. Amanda and I are trying to do Snapchat streaks. Oh God. We're doing pretty good at it. I don't even know how many we have, but we're doing pretty good. And I think it's funny or something. She'll send me a snap in the morning and they're like downstairs. Her kids are playing with toys. She's got coffee. Everything looks great. And I'm like trolled up in my bedroom still. (laughs) She usually sends me her curtains. 
I just love it. Just the different, the dynamic here. Like how long have you been up? This is amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, while they're sitting there enjoying their coffee, uh, Izzy notices how much Clary looks like Jocelyn because it doesn't sound like they've ever really spent any time together, obviously. And she wonders if that's how much she looks like her mom. Like people are constantly telling her she looks like her mom, but she doesn't see it. But then she sees the two of them and she's like, okay, maybe I do. Cause I see that, mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I'm just like, girl, believe me, you will notice it as you get older. Oh, yeah. Truth. Mm -hmm. So on to the big trip. Just like the Silent City, there are doors to get into. Where is it again? Adamant City. Adamant Citadel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So they're going to portal to the closest door. And then Magnus and Alec will wait for Izzy and Jocelyn there. Why? I mean, I guess because they can't portal. Maybe that's why. Because Izzy and Jocelyn can't portal on their own. Uh-huh. Hmm. I guess that makes sense. Okay. I answered my own question. Sorry. <laughs> I have to work so through this. Alec warns her to take this seriously because she kind of starts telling jokes, which seems a little not her style. But anyway. Um, take this seriously because the Iron Sisters apparently are not as friendly as Silent Brothers. Which are Silent Brothers friendly? <sighs> right? Right? Like, do they tell jokes? <laughs> knock, knock, who's there? Me in your mind? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. So she describes internally, whatever, we get Izzy's version of Jocelyn walking into the portal and quote, it was like watching someone disappear into the side of a wave of water. And so I'm kind of like, maybe that's where the TV show got it was from this description. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Cause the water thing is weird to me. It just seems, I don't know. doesn't seem like it would have anything to do with water. It's trying to hold water. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. In your hands. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So she sees, um, when they get through, she sees the building and it looks completely abandoned, covered in foliage, boarded up windows, and graffiti. And Jocelyn notices Izzy trying to see through the glamour. And she's like, yeah, what you see is what you get. It's not glamoured. Because <laughs> Izzy's like, this must be a really strong one. I can't see. <laughs> so they start heading to the boarded up door in like a brick wall. And they walk through a bunch of branches and like a foresty sort of walkway area. There's no, it's not like a path to it. Obviously it needs to be well hidden. However, there is like Mundy stuff that's been left behind, like burnt grass in the shape of pentagrams and like spray painted walls and stuff. And Magnus points out that Mundys are drawn to places that are centers of power. They just don't realize that's why they're drawn there. Like that's Mm -hmm. not... They don't know that's why they're hanging out there. It just seems like a cool place, I guess. Okay. So Jocelyn and Izzy head through the door. Alec reassuring Izzy that she'll be fine. And she's like, bitch, I know. (laughs) I know. I got this. (laughs) And back over to Clary we go. For once, I'm actually not annoyed, though, because um, I kind of want to see what is going on with this house. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, all right, yeah, let's get back to Clary. I want to know what the hell's going on. So... 
when we left her last time, she had just run into Sebi and he was like, what are you doing? And um, luckily, as he asks, Jace um, comes around the corner. Sorry. I just Well, and wasn't he like, didn't he like come up behind her? Even like maybe that was just in my head. Maybe that's how I imagined it. But I thought he was like behind like. Like in her, like what do you? Yeah, doing? I think she backed out of the room uh-huh, and, and she like hit his him. chest. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's very creepy. Which indicates yes. that he was there staring at her, which is so unsettling. He yeah. was like, watching. Yes. Well, and if she's anything like me, which I'm sure she's not, you have to make cartoon faces and stuff when you you're like oh and like really over exaggerated <laughs> arms and walking on the way out. Right. So I'm sure it was very embarrassing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally. You really, you really hit it the nail on the head there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, luckily Jace like comes around the corner and Sebastian like ruffles her hair, telling her like, "Oh, it's good to see you, little sister." She, she and has wet hair all, too. To say, Sorry. Oh yeah, because she showered. Yeah, yeah gross. gross, weird. So Jace is wearing jeans, a white t-shirt, and a leather jacket, but no socks. And I just want to know if he was rocking those brown leathery looking flip flops and just kicked them off when he came inside. Like Hollister right? flip flops. Hollister flip flops. Yes, exactly. Yes. Gross. That's what I... happened. Okay. That's it. Mm. <sighs> no. Gross. Gross. <laughs> I just, I think it's weird that people don't wear shoes in their house. I, I We've talked about this. We've had this conversation oh. a thousand times. Someone was trying to tell me the other day about how they were buying shoes specifically just to wear in their house. And they're like, I know mm-hmm. it sounds weird, but like walking in there all day, my feet hurt. And I'm like, that doesn't sound weird. It sounds weird that you weren't wearing shoes before. Yeah. That's what sounds weird. Yeah. Well, who wants to be barefoot? Nobody. Well, who wants to track all of the crap you get on your shoes outside, like dead animal do you, or spit? Do you eat off of your floor? Right? No. I do sit on my floor. Yeah, I do sometimes have to eat off my floor. My kids sometimes throw my food on the floor. You know? like, I don't know. Not throw I it, figure but like bonk it. You're not protecting your floor from anything, whether it's on the bottom of your feet or on your shoes or w- eventually all of that shit is going to get tracked in anyways. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, okay, look, I don't the have anything. Here's the caveat me. to that. You don't have carpet, so it doesn't get stained and look gross as easily as your hardwood yeah. floors do. Mm-hmm. So I do agree that when I don't wear my shoes in and out, my carpet will stay cleaner longer in between cleanings. That being mm-hmm. said, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I'll just wash the carpet <laughs> yeah. sooner. Right. I would. Yeah. I would definitely be more apt to understand it with having carpet. We don't have carpet. We just have hardwood mm-hmm. floors and. I'm not walking around barefoot because then my feet would be fucking filthy because hardwood floors there. You can't even immediately after you sweep them. No, there's shit on them. Like there, it's just impossible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> okay. So he comes around the corner and sees the two of them, Sebastian and Clary <laughs> And he asks if Sebastian was hugging Clary. Like, you aren't a big hugger. What's going on here? Mm. And I think that's a weird thing for Jace to know. Like, you don't hug people is literally what he said. How many hugs 
has Jace put out there that have gone unanswered? (laughs) 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 How the fuck do you know that specifically? Yeah, you're an asshole, but maybe you hug your sister. You know, like, that's just strange. Uh, How many unreciprocated hugs? Oh my god, that's so funny. I can just yeah. <laughs> Bring it in, man. And so question just like looks at him and walks away. Like this very much feels like a like a, a shift in dynamic where Jace is Simon and Sebastian is Jace. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He knows how it feels. <laughs> <That's exactly> oh. <laughs> it. oh, that is great. Yeah, so um Clary kind of stands up for Sebastian, I guess, sort of defends him. I don't know. She's like, I I think she tells Jace that she had tripped and he was helping her up, which is weird. I, I don't understand why that was her thing to go to. I don't know. But anyway, um, she tells them that she was looking for them because he's like, what the hell are you doing up here? She's like, bitch, I was looking for you. Where were you? I'm looking I was for alone my friends. in this weird place. I'm looking for you. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's a PBS yeah, show. Exactly. My bad. So Sebastian points out that um, he's like, oh, you found the clothes stash. Cool. Do you like them? And Jace gives him a weird look and changes the subject. So obviously we know it's weird. And um, he's telling Clary that they're at, they were out getting food and asks if she wants lunch. So when they get down there, she figures out that like it's bread and cheeses and stuff. She figures out from the food. It's that they're girl dinner. Yeah, exactly. And at the table, she's noticing Sebastian's features and basically like, oh, she has he has some of my mom's features. He's not just a straight copy, carbon copy of Vitae. And so she asks, she's trying to make small talk because like, obviously, we got to get down to the reason we're here. She asks about this apartment house condo hotel. Like, what is this? And Sebastian explains that it was V-Tang's. It moves in and out of worlds. He had bought it. Oh, he had, he like, he had it and used it as, like, a place to travel. I'm assuming that's where he was in hiding from the time. Stay. Right. The clave stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he had um, brought Sebastian there a few times and taught him how to drive it. So <laughs> I am picturing a close-up smile into the camera like Jim from The Office. Mm-hmm. And as Clary is like, there's no front door. (laughs) Just a pan. And Sebby Boy replies by telling her, there is, if you know how to use it. Their dad was like the brightest shadow hunter of his age. And he was just like so clever. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. And so Clary looks for Jace for reassurance. But um, Jace tells her that V-Tink had never shown him his super secret headquarters. And Clary remarks that it's very bachelor pad for her daddy-o. And Jace, like, starts rattling off the spiffy upgrades that are in the house. And Sebastian brings in the awkwardness by telling them that they were put in place for Jocelyn. Mm. That's why all that stuff, the TV and stuff, is there. The appliances and even the clothes that Clary found, they were meant for their mother, you know, in case she decided to come back. Mm. And so creepy, but not as creepy as exactly. It was. Right. I am glad we cleared this up Mm -hmm. because the other utter ick, like from the pre-bought clothes, Uh it was a one-way ticket to Nopesville. Like expensive clothes 
And the fact that Clary was like, there are no pants here. They're dresses only. Yeah. Like she was meant to be very feminine, very, you know, you couldn't, there's no gear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you need Which to? Fi- you think should be? This is very umbrage of Valentine. Like, why do you need to know how to fight? Who are you going to be fighting? <laughs> it just reminds me of uh-huh. that movie, like American Psycho. Uh huh. And I don't know why, but that's the vibe. Yeah. Like, and it's on brand for Vitang. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is yes. this. It presses the vibe check for him. So, although it's creepy, I'll give it a pass. This passes the beating <laughs> vibe check. It's fine. Well, not my vibe check. Also, his. also acknowledging that he was married to Jocelyn. Like it at one point, uh-huh. it mm-hmm. was mutual. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. <laughs> For a moment in time. Uh, yeah. So the conversation isn't such a relief for Clary who gets smacked in the face by the fact that her brother just referred to Jocelyn as their mutual mother. <clears throat> Like, clearly they don't speak Spanish and they're not saying my mom all the time. Right. Right. That's yeah. not happening. Um, and she had never really come to terms with the fact that her brother was no longer an abstract thought, but like a real life person. She'd found out the secret and then he basically like immediately died. So she didn't have to like <laughs> dig too much into that rabbit hole about what, you know, what if, what if, what could have been. He was gone. And Jace... Ever the gentleman apologizes for how weird it is that she's having to wear the clothes that her dead evil villain father picked out for her mother and offers to buy her some new ones. It's like, you don't have to buy the weird clothes in the closet. Like, you don't have to wear them. We can buy you some new ones. Which brings Clary back to the subject at hand um, and, like, tying in with what we literally just talked about in Izzy's Pov. She looks like her mom. Uh, which is why the clothes all fit her and are in her, like, color palette. Like, I'm assuming she's an autumn. And like, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. She's like, okay, like this, because obviously Izzy was talking about that. Anyway, Clary steers the conversation into more pressing matters, like what they're doing with their lives. Like, what are you guys doing with your lives? Just traveling around in this magical apartment? And I don't know why they're not calling it a condo, but, like, that's been bugging me, but whatever. <laughs> Agreed. And Jace's response is very trust fund baby. And they're like, yeah, we're traveling the world. That's the plan. And Clary, the girl from the wrong sides of the tracks with a heart of gold character in this dialogue, tells them that they can't go on doing that forever. Mm. Like, that's her thing. A buzz Sebastian, because by the way, they're sitting there drinking wine at lunch. Um, who is also a trust fund baby, but like the douchey double pop collar and boat shoes kind mm-hmm. with like the white sweater tied around his neck. Oh, he is 100% like, do you know who my father is? Yes. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's how he is in this scene. He's like, why not? Why can't we just travel the world? What else do we have going on? And Clary reminds him, both of them, I guess, that the shadow hunter cops are looking for them and they can't hide forever. And then the two boys, like, share a conspirator's grin. And she gets very jelly. It's super Alec of her at this point. That's so true. <laughs> yes. And Jace presses Sebi to let Clary in on their plans. Um, but Sebastian's faith hasn't been won just yet. Um, he knows that Clary is there for Jace and Jace alone. I and Clary this. admits. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. You hate it. I hate it. I hate I hate the implications 
of everything that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. His obsession Agreed. is... Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> it's like, like he it. wants to finish his father's work about being obsessed with a fair child. Yeah. 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 He's got to pick up, like, what V-Tang started. I don't know. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Clary admits to Jace being her driving force. And she has a very calculated response that I'm very proud of her for. Very proud of Clary in this moment. She tells Sebastian that she trusts Jace. And if he trusts Sebastian, then she wants to try to as well. Besides, like, he's her bro jamma jamma. And that earns him a point. She just doesn't really know him that well. And her cunning reply gets her, like, halfway there. She, she like, she didn't, like, pass her check, but she was very close. And he tells her that she should get to know him. And she can do that by being locked up in the apartment for a week, a la Beauty and the Beast. Like, this is the perfect opportunity for you to get to know me being locked up here. And <laughs> Jace tries to appeal. And I'm going to, I'm going to read it. Because there's a time check, as I had mentioned earlier in the episode, and I just, I have to when there's a time check. Mm -hmm. You gotta take advantage of it. I don't like keeping her in the dark, Jace said. We'll tell her in a week. What difference does a week make? Jace gave him a look. Two weeks ago, you were dead. Well, I wasn't suggesting two weeks, said Sebastian. That would be insane. Okay. So, that's that's where we're at. I hate that Sebastian is such a sassy villain. <laughs> I know. Because he's a way more likable villain, even though he's yes. he's more gross. Like, he's yes. more creepy, more evil, I feel like, more real, true evil than, like, V-Tang ever was. V-Tang was just, uh -huh. you know, power-hungry and whatever. But he's also just, he's just so sassy. It must be from Lilith. He gets it from Lilith. I'm... I'm wondering if this is like V Tang's charisma before yeah. all the shit went down. Yeah. So like this is this is the um seventies version of V Tang that we want to get the eighties extra story of maybe 80s. this is how he acted. The eighties, sorry. This is how he was. Yeah. And we're like this is a glimpse of what he could have been with that charisma and stuff, and he's just got jaded as he got older. Yes. Yes. And so when he came back he didn't have time to fuck around. Uh-huh. Anyway, I don't know. Except when he was monologuing, because he liked that. Right, stuff. exactly. We, we do, you do love a good monologue. <clears throat> so Clary tells them that she'll wait whatever time she needs to, still picking up on the body language of the newly forged Blood Brothers. Like, they are very much sharing a secret, having a moment. They're together. And Jace is able to convince Sebastian that Clary, like, could be let out of the house um, while under his direct supervision, which is a small W in an awful situation. And Clary doesn't like to see her man be subservient to anyone, and she plays a little fantasy of hitting Sebastian over the head with, like, a wine bottle. And she's just like, I'd love to do that right now. And we end their scene with Sebastian asking her how the wine is and Clary using what has somehow become my delight, my default response to everything, which is delicious. Yes. I don't know why, but that is how I've been describing everything lately. So there you go. Even things non-food related. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Next, we scoot over to our shadow huntresses arriving in a new landscape. 
We're in Izzy's Pav, and she is taking in the sights, much like I feel people who come to Oregon for the first time should do. Yeah. Like, the way that she takes mm-hmm. that in is the response I'm expecting from all, any and everybody that I invite here or come to see yes. me from a different state, except yes. Washington. I'll give you a pass if you're from Washington. Right. Yeah. Like, everything is shimmering. It's jewel-toned. It's green. There's moss. It's gorgeous. Yeah. She's waxing on about it. Like... It's just, that's, I, I expect that response from you. Yeah. The Pacific Northwest so is know. one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yes. Yes. And I expect you to act as such. Yes. Over the top. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> With wonder and and amazement at every turn. Wanderlust, right? That's what they, that's the slogan here. Yeah. At every yeah. at every roadside waterfall, you need to look with the same <laughs> the same wonder. They're not all the same. They really aren't. Yeah. <sighs> oh, sorry. So anyway, Jocelyn breaks Izzy out of her moment by telling her that they're on a volcanic plane. Since the Iron Sisters have to work with Adamus, they need a lot of heat for the forges. It's all very sexy Hephaestus. Okay, mm. that is what's going on here. And Isabel, Isabel's response to this little knowledge nugget is to say that if there's so much lava, you'd think it would be warmer. Because Izzy is like, she's sass factor today, and I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. And Jocelyn tells her that she reminds her a lot of Maris. And Isabel is like, well, thanks. I'm going to decide to take that as a compliment. And Jocelyn's like, well, good. You should. Because it was like, one. Just, it was yeah. one. So do you, and do you think real quick, sorry, this is just my little brain bunny. Do you think that this is, I'm assuming this is modeled after Iceland, right? After what? Iceland, the location. Iceland. Okay. I didn't hear where where you said. Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, island, cold, volcanic, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Greenland, Iceland, sort of. Yeah. I agree. I like that. So Jocelyn's opened the door for Izzy to sneak her way into questioning about Mm -hmm. her parents' marriage. Of course. And since Jocelyn is a first-hand witness, she needs to know if from her point of view, they were like her parents were actually in love at one point. And the conversation gets a little too feely for Jocelyn. And she asks Izzy like why she's bringing it up. And Izzy's like, I want to talk about love. And Jocelyn is like an expert because like she somehow managed to like drag Luke along her whole life, which is pretty (laughs) impressive in Izzy's book. Like she's pretty impressed by how much power like Jocelyn held over a guy. And like she wants to have that same power. And she kind of hits the nail on the head. But Jocelyn does not like that. I Right. But like (laughs) also for someone like Izzy, like, yeah. That would be something you noticed and pointed out because you don't think it's a bad thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Jocelyn and is that's not horrified. her motive, But she's yeah. And she, it's not that is not <coughs> Isabel's actual motive, but she is so mm-hmm. much better right. at playing the game than any of our other yes. shadowy friends are. Yes. That it's like it's perfect. Exactly. So Jocelyn, as we said, she's not she's just it's not a positive in her book she's not impressed with izzy's observation and she tells her it's not the kind of power that she should want to have and it's not so great Mm -hmm. 
And, like, Jocelyn pulls her hair back from her face. And Izzy is like, wow. If it isn't Clary's face, hair, and body with Sebastian's hands that I cut off. <laughs> like. <laughs> and <laughs> Jocelyn continues the conversation by telling Izzy that her parents, like, did you know your parents are people? And people aren't perfect. They, like, have just lost a child. Life is complicated. I'm sure their relationship is complicated. So if you're asking about why Robert has been staying at Idris, ellipses, dot, dot, dot. And then Isabel, like, dumps the pot upside down and spills the beans all over the place. She's like Kevin with the chili. Um, (laughs) Learning out about Robert's infidelity. (laughs) And Jocelyn looks at her sympathetically and says that she knows. She knows. You know, and is he shocked and immediately asks, like, okay, well, does that mean that everyone knows? Like, does everyone know? And Jocelyn's like, I heard it from a warlock, but not Magnus. And then they have this exchange that I'm going to quote. Who was it? Isabel demanded. Who did he cheat on her with? It was no one you know, Isabel. You don't know who I know. Mm. Isabel's voice rose. And stop saying my name that way as if I'm a little kid. It's not my place to tell you, Jocelyn said flatly and began to walk again. And I am so torn uh-huh. on this. But, like, I th- I think a major thing ripping on my conscience is the fact that I like Izzy a lot more than Jocelyn. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. like, and, and I want the cheese me personally, like, as a fly on the wall as the reader. So, like, I'm on Izzy with this one. And, like, Jocelyn, like, just, I don't know. Like, why bring it up? Just say you don't know. Like, I don't know. If you're not going to give any information anyway, just tell her you don't know anything about it. Yeah. Yes. Well, but also it feels like Jocelyn is engaging with this conversation a little bit and then she's dropping it, which if you're going to engage with it, then engage with it. Like then then have a conversation about, you know, and, and again, like. Isabel being like, don't say my name like that. Like I'm a kid. If you're going to treat her like a kid, then follow through. Right. Have a conversation Mm -hmm. about the whys and, you know, maybe check in with her about why this is such an issue right now. Like, obviously we know that she hurt her feelings would be hurt. Right. She knows Mm -hmm. that her dad's cheating on her mom, but like there's more to that. Right. I just, uh, huh. Once again, she doesn't. Jocelyn doesn't want to connect with anybody. No, is what it is. I think on top of it, yeah. Like even Clary, she just doesn't want to connect. Yeah, I agree. Which, if that, like, if you're just there to do the mission and get the information because of Clary or what the heck ever, then just like, just you know, I'm sorry, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sorry, I'm gonna say so every time I start talking. I love it. Izzy keeps trying to get Jocelyn to tell her, and she like is trying to threaten her. Like, that's the way that she's going to do it. Um, but her breath is taken away by the adamant citadel popping up from fucking out of nowhere. And I've read twice, but I'm going to read again because uh, the description is there and I think it's cool. And I'm not sure, like, when we'll get to see it again if we do. So, anyway. It was carved a white silver adamus, reflecting the cloudy streaked sky. Towers topped with electrum reached toward the sky and the fortress was surrounded by a high wall also of Adamus, in which was set a single gate, formed of two great blades plunged into the ground at angles, so they resembled a monstrous pair of scissors. 
<laughs> you want to say this it so a- bad. You want to say Scissor Sisters so bad. <laughs> yes, you do. I was like, this all makes sense. Female only. Anyway. Isabel decides that she's going to plow ahead of Jocelyn. Because she's taller and has longer legs and she's tired of being treated like a kid when she is clearly no not a baby anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so Izzy ducks under the scissor blades and comes to a stop in front of a giant moat filled with lava. And Jocelyn tries to like Miyagi Izzy and um, she just gets annoyed as she like sneaks up on her at the edge of a fucking lava pit. And honestly, like same girl, Jocelyn needs you like not the other way around. Like like Izzy is the key component here. So just go, go for it. Queen, keep your energy up, keep your vibe up. (laughs) Jocelyn's being annoying. You're fine. She's fine. She has my permission to just wild out. It's fine. (laughs) And like, I know like technically they need each other. Cause like maybe, Izzy doesn't know the words, but like I'm like I'm ride or dying for Isabel. Yeah. Like only a biffle can do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like it's one of those things where it's like, well, I murdered somebody. Well, they deserved it. Yeah. Murder. What murder? <laughs> murder. What? <laughs> well, I crashed my car into their face. Well, I mean, they were in the way. How many points did you get? It's that sort yeah. of. Yeah. Exactly. So. <sighs> Jocelyn quizzes Izzy again about how to gain entrance to the Citadel, but she is such a bitch about it. Like, she's like, surely, surely Hoge taught you how since you have ovaries and like can come in or whatever. And Isabel snaps back and she's like, of course, uh, duh. And then she has to like ride the struggle bus for a second while she tries to remember what she has to do. And she's like, ah, fuck. But it comes to her quickly enough, and she pulls out one of the chopsticks from her hair that is actually a small blade and drops blood into the pit, reciting Latin. Which, anyway, there's a blue light, and then the drawbridge starts lowering, and Izzy has a little flash of sassy face as she puts the chopstick back in her hair. And instead of just delightfully offering facts about the Iron Sisters, Jocelyn asks Izzy if she knows what she just said. Like, do you even know what you just said? It's the Iron Sisters motto. And then answers her own question before Izzy can speak. You guys, it's, so the, annoying. it's the chapter title. Fire Test Gold. Mm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And Jocelyn's, yeah, she's just, I don't know why. She's just, it's just talk. Just delightful facts. That's what we want. And in Jocelyn's eyes, it's like a metaphor about how adversity tests one's strength. And even in dis difficult times people can shine bright like a diamond (laughs) (laughs) and Izzy's like to hell with dark and difficult times maybe I don't want to shine and of course rounding out the theme of this chapter harder than an HR manager who picked up a new buzzword we circle back to the theme of daughters being like their mothers that is the theme of this chapter all yes we've said it a thousand times Mm -hmm. Um, Jocelyn says that if Izzy's anything like her mom, then she won't be able to help it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Jocelyn is smarter than she's behaving. Mm-hmm. Or at least she should be. Yeah. M- maybe it's just, just, maybe it's just the, you know, the stress and the, 
you know, trauma and all of the shit I that she's know. going through right now. But I don't know. I mean, like is this, how she treats Clary all the time. No wonder she's annoyed. Well, and you'd think, I, I know it hasn't been a long time, as we've discussed a million thousand times, but the possibility of Izzy being one of Clary's very good friends mm-hmm. in the near future, maybe even like her pseudo sister-in-law, mm-hmm. you'd think she'd want to get to know her yeah, and talk mm-hmm. to her and have a conversation. And Izzy doesn't seem like the type of person that like reaches out for a lifeline very often. Yeah. And you can tell that by looking at her. Like, you know, the kids that are mm-hmm. like moody and kind of like whatever Even... one of your kids' friends. And she's reaching out to you as an adult and like just like Kristen was saying, have the conversation with her. Yeah. Yeah. You. Okay. So even though Jocelyn doesn't have a relationship with Maris anymore, right? Um, Maris was one of her best friends, right? She was. Right. They were. They were like, they, you know, grew up together, right? So she's looking at Maris' daughter who, like, I, I just, I don't understand how she doesn't feel any empathy towards or, or any sort of connection with Izzy in that way because of that. And then I just, I don't, I don't know. Jocelyn, you're just, she, the, Simon is your pseudo son, right? Uh And Izzy was involved with Simon. That's not a good enough reason. Like, even if you don't go the Clary angle, go the Simon angle. Like, Jocelyn just fails every teenager in her life. And it's really a problem for me. (laughs) Well, and it's it's like she has a ton of opportunities also. Yeah. Which is fucking frustrating that she's not taking them. Well, and and I understand Mm -hmm. her reactions, like Clary coming home late on her birthday, on her 16th birthday from the club. Like that makes sense, right? Like I understand the fear reaction. For me, it's the fact that she continually makes the wrong choice. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Just like, even when there's not, it's not a high stress situation. It's like, you just, you're just choosing always to be a bad parent. <laughs> Have you not read one book? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Parenting for the teenage soul. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Okay. So make sure that you read chapter nine, The Iron Sisters, for next week's episode. Oh. For behind the scenes content and the latest updates, check us out on Instagram at Downworlderdishpodcast. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.